building spirituality, family, health, and business. This is The Giant Builders with Lois Wyant. Good day, Giant Builders. We're so happy to have you today. And my guest today is Stacy Snyder, in which she is a conscious life and parenting coach. And I just found that to be just really um, an interesting direction. And she's also been in the teaching area for 18 years. So um, I just really feel you're going to give us some really great advice here. Hi, Stacy. How are you? Hi, Lois. I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. Great. So you taught for 18 plus years. How did you see children changing in that period of time? You know what? It's it's not necessarily that I saw children changing over that time, but parents and family dynamics have changed a lot over that time. Um, when I first started, there were a lot of two parent families. Um, and then as my career went on, it was more single parent families, parents who were both, both parents had to work outside the home. And so the dynamics sort of changed a little bit, which influences the kids as well. Expand for me about conscious life and parenting coach. What does that really entail? What do you do? So a lot of people out there will describe themselves as a conscious parenting coach. And I'll talk about that first before I bring the life coaching in. So a conscious parenting coach, really the way I see it, you'll probably get lots of different definitions if you ask lots of different people. But the way I see it is just becoming more aware aware of your kids and what they need, aware of yourself and how you're reacting and speaking and the effect that that has on your child. And with that awareness, um, sort of bringing that into your parenting so that you're not reacting in a harsh way that isn't necessary. And the thing with conscious parenting that I have found is that you really can't separate that from what's going on in your life. If everything is falling apart around you and you hate your job and you feel horrible in your marriage and all of these things are going on, that will affect your parenting. And if parenting is a struggle for you right now, that will affect the rest of your life. And so I really try and combine the two so that we can create solutions that actually last. Okay. So give me an example of like a lasting solution. Ooh, that's a good question. So really what it all comes down to is relationships. If you are building a strong, close and connected relationship built on love and trust and respect with your child, that is the lasting, that is what will create influence. When you're going through those really challenging teen years, if you have influence with your children because you have a really close connected relationship, that is way better than trying to impose punishments that they're not going to listen to anyways. <laughs> okay. So I have three boys that are all growing now, but one of the things I found that was really difficult as a new parent or in the young parenting stage was that they're all so different. You know, I had to figure out how to interact with each one individually. Can you give people advice on how to find that difference? It's all about spending that quality time with your child. That's sort of where it starts. And by quality, I don't mean, you know, quality versus quantity. I don't mean spending all day learning about a child. That's not practical when you've got several kids in a life and all the things. But 
notice what they're interested in and ask them questions about that. And um, it's almost like dating in a way you're trying to find out about them. One of the tools I also get my clients to do when we first start working together is you heard of the five love languages by Mm -hmm. Gary Chapman. There's a quiz on his website that you can go through and learn what your child's love language is. And it just gives you that little extra edge for how to communicate with them in a way that they're more receptive to hearing. I'm a grandmother now. Mm -hmm. How do I be a good grandmother? really broad question (laughs) just the fact that you're asking that tells me that you're likely already a really good grandmother (laughs) again it's all about building that relationship and sort of being that soft place to land the more adults a child has in their life that understand them and get them or at least willing to listen to their perspective the better So what does a first appointment with you look like? So our very first call is where we sit down and we talk in depth about what it is that you're having challenges with right now, what you've tried and what your long-term vision is like, where would you like to go from here? And then we sort of create um, a little bit of a plan. Part of it is strategy to help you implement in the moment. And then part of it is, building relationship with your child. And then the other part of it is working on yourself and your own triggers from your past and being able to um, sort of manage your nervous system and manage your big feelings in the moment so that you can show up for your child as the kind of parent you always want it to be. So if you have a child that is having challenging behaviors, what advice do you give to the parent? The biggest thing to know about kids who are having behaviors that you're finding challenging is that all behavior is communication. So it's trying to figure out what need needs to be met, what skill needs to be taught, how can I build a relationship in this moment? And the cool thing about all behavior is communication is that's true of us as well. And so when we're having a really hard time in the moment, what need do you need to have met You know, where do you need to build connection and relationship? What is it that you need in that moment? So that's sort of my big mantra is, and that isn't original to me, that Ross Green is a big proponent of that, but all behavior is communication. And it sort of takes the the pressure off parents. Um, Sometimes we take kids' behavior personally. We sort of feel judged by that. But when we can see it as our kids just trying to tell us something and they don't know a better way to tell us yet, it makes it a little easier to show up with compassion rather than judgment. My grandson, he's Mm -hmm. two years old. All right. And his um, my son was sharing with me that he's got a little stinker in him and sometimes he'll like open the garden gate and he'll like look over the corner of his eye at his dad and get that little evil grin. And then he'll run over and stop on the flowers. What would you suggest? I love that. So two-year-olds are really, their job is to explore the world. And so he's learning how the world works right now. And so learning how to set compassionate limits. That's one of the big myths about conscious parenting is that because we're not using punishment, you can't set limits on your child's behavior. And that's not true. You can tell him, no, he's not allowed to do that. You can remove him from the situation. 
you can talk to him about it. Um, but knowing that he's just he's doing the job of a two-year-old. He's exploring the world. He's figuring out how it works. He's finding what his limits are. So do you think it's important for children to really be able to respond to the word no? I'm thinking to my mind, you know, like a child running down the driveway towards the road and I want to yell no because I can't get to them fast enough so that they'll stop. I mean, what? how is it that we really emphasize to our children that, you know, they have to stop, no, stop, you know, how do you get the children to do that when they, you know, like my grandson, he thinks when you go, no, stop, he thinks you're chasing him, you know, it's like, how do you build that boundary line? So part of that is setting yourself up for success in the beginning. And if you know, you have a child who tends to be a runner, um, letting them know beforehand, I know it's really hard for you to stop. So here's how I'm going to help. I'm going to carry you. I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to whatever. Um, and set them up for success when you know that about them. That would be my biggest tip there. And as they get older and as they mature and as the part of the brain that is responsible for impulse control starts to kick in, that does come along. You'll get there. It doesn't feel like it in the moment, but it'll happen. <laughs> Okay. So what about, okay. Talk to me about computers and children. Mm. Like, is there an age range? Is there what, what kind of boundaries? What, what do we do with computers? My, my kids didn't have computers um, until they were like junior high range. So walk me through that as a parent. The thing about technology, Lois, is that it is so individual. I've read things from experts that say absolutely no technology. I've read things from experts that say, let them regulate themselves and have as much as they want and everything in between. And I think what it really comes down to is your own family values, knowing what your family values are and being able to have those conversations with your kids, particularly as they get a little bit older. I mean, when they're really young, like two, three, you're sort of in control of how much screen time they get. But as they get older, having that conversation with them and letting them know what your concerns are, hearing their side of it and coming to an agreement that you can both live with, which is a really good life skill in lots of other areas too. Is there a point where we should give our children like, or yeah, children or grandchildren, like life responsibilities and what would be a good age range to do that? Like, for example, chores. Chores. Absolutely. I have my kids help out all the time. So my kids are now seven and 10. And for the last year, anyways, they've been responsible for cleaning their bathroom for several years. Now they're responsible for emptying the dishwasher. Like there are lots of little ways that they can help out. The thing to remember is, number one, it depends on the child how willing they are in the moment to agree to that. And knowing that it's not that they don't want to help. My son, for example, loves to help, but if he's feeling overwhelmed, rather than saying, oh, that's too much, mommy, I don't know what to do, he will just shut down and say no. And so understanding that for a little while you do it together, and then for a little while, you might offer to help when they're feeling overwhelmed. And eventually you will get to a place where they can perform the task independently, but not trying to rush that, having appropriate expectations for, for your child. Yeah. So I had my three-year-old 
grandchild over one time and I was emptying the dishwasher and I thought, hmm, I'll let her put the silverware up, you know, obviously taking the knives out. And she just had a blast. So, you know, it was like a, a matching game for her, you know, like the different fork sizes and things. So it, for that, it seemed like it was like a game and that she was helping at the same time. It's also spending time with you and getting to do something together, a shared task. So we learned to um, time block for successful business. Is there any time block suggestions for families? So I mentioned earlier about having sort of quality time. Uh, sometimes we call it special time. If you can set aside 10 minutes for each child, whether that's daily or every other day or whatever your schedule allows, but let them know ahead of time, this is your time. This is just for you. We were going to do, you know, whatever game you want to play, whatever activity you want to do. And this is just for you. Bedtime is a really good time to, to do that sometimes. Um, I know bedtime can be challenging for a lot of families. For us, it's our ticket to, whew, I get to relax for a few minutes at the end of a long day. For kids, it's, oh my goodness, I'm going to be all by myself in my room, disconnected from everybody else. So of course they fight against it. And so if you can sort of fill their cup with that special time ahead of time, that can be really helpful as well. Um, one of the things I have done with my kids, we kind of go back and forth on and off with this, but we'll set aside one day a month where it's, you know, time for my daughter and, and me or my son and myself, and they get to choose the activity and whether it's we bake something together and then watch a movie or my daughter sometimes likes to do masks and pedicures and whatever it is that day, that couple of hours is just for them. And they really look forward to that. Yeah, I used to do that with my boys too. They had one day each month. I yeah. spent just the day with them. So, and I think that was a, I think it was a very precious time for me as a mom because I really got to focus on, you know, what, you know, if we went putt putting, you know, what was challenging for that child? You know, how did I encourage him? You know, how, so I think that was even more of a special time for me than maybe for my kids. I'm not sure. So I have a new grandbaby do it here in a couple of months. And I remember that being maybe one of the harder challenging times, you know, because they, they can't talk. They just make sounds. <laughs> so as a, as a new parent, what advice do you give to them as far as understanding their baby who has a bit of a personality, but yet not really enough to really understand. It's so funny that you mentioned the newborn period. I, like you, found it very challenging when my own children were newborns. A few weeks ago, my sister had her first baby and I went out to help her. And I realized suddenly with all the pressure off not being the mom, I could see all the cues. And I knew when he was hungry and I knew when he was wet. I'm like, how amazing is that when you don't have so much pressure on yourself to know it all and be it all and do it all, you can see that. So one of the biggest pieces of advice I would give you is just take a step back, take a breath, and it's okay not to know. It's okay to ask for help. And it's definitely okay to take a few minutes for yourself. 
sometimes we're so immersed in that newborn period and they're so dependent on us and it can be really challenging. And so leaning on your community, finding a community and taking time to care for yourself is super important. Any closing tips? Yeah, so my best tip for parents is really just to get to know your children really well, understand that they want to do well and build that close relationship with them so that you're in a better position to help them when they are struggling and they're more willing to listen to you as well. Okay, great. All right, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and your advice. It was very helpful, even for me as, as a grandmother. So thank you so much for having me, Lois. It was a pleasure. Yeah. All right, Giant Builders, make sure you visit us again next week, Tuesday at two. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This has been The Giant Builders with Lois Wyant.